right, hello and welcome back to American Horror Stories. I'm your host, Lily Comedina, and today we're learning about the dark backstory of American Horror Stories Season 2, Asylum. Uh, the trigger warning for this episode is assault, rape, sexual assault, homophobia, described gore, and death. So basically this season is mainly based in the 60s, and the season revolves around a sapphic reporter named Lana Winters. At the time, there was also an abduction and the suspected murder of a woman named Alma Walker. So Alma was just chilling at home with her husband, Kit Walker, who is the main suspect, and she's believed to have been killed by him after tired of being hiding their marriage because she's black and, you know, it's the 60s and people were stupid. So uh, Kit claims she was abducted by extraterrestrials. A headless body was also found at the scene of the crime and... Officials thought it was Alma because, like, you know, it matched her a little bit, but Kit, like, refused to believe it was her. So Kit gets charged with murders and also other murders that have happened in the area with the similar nature. And the media has labeled the killer bloody face, which, side note, is a horrible thing to do. If you're ever trying to catch a serial killer, you don't want to feed the media, okay? Because that's what they feed off of. They're like, oh, I'm getting attention. Let's kill some more, right? So don't do that. Right, okay, so uh, the media has labeled him bloody face because he's said to make a human skin mask out of his victims. So Kit is admitted to Briarcliff Manor, which is a Catholic-run insane asylum. And, you know, this might just be the atheist in me, but anything overruled by religion and health, well-being, they just don't bode well together. I feel like you need to just kind of look at health and religion on separate planes, but anyways, so the writer, Lana Winters, hears about this and asks the head of the asylum, Sister Jude, if she can come in and interview him, hoping to get her big break. So while she's there, Sister Jude, Jude, Jude learns that Lana is a lesbian and has a partner back home. Her partner, Wendy, is a school teacher, and if it got out that she was in a relationship with a female, she would definitely get fired and possibly hate-crimed. So, Sister Jude blackmails her into signing over custody to Briarcliff under the reasoning that she is homosexual. So, Wendy thinks she's safe, but when Lana's at Briarcliff, Bloodyface, the real Bloodyface, who is not Kit, breaks in and kills her. So, she's dead. So a Dr. Threadson comes into the story here and is labeled as a psychiatrist for the asylum and is only supposed to be there for two weeks, but after he meets Lana and learns about her situation, he wants to help her. So he extends his stay and becomes hired by the asylum indefinitely as their psychiatrist. So Sister Mary Eunice, um, Jude's right hand, becomes possessed by the devil. So, you know, some stuff happens there because someone doesn't just become possessed by the devil, you know, it takes some stuff. So I think what happened? Oh, right. So there was a patient who came into the asylum and his parents were like, no, he's possessed. He needs to get exercised. So they were like, mm, okay, fine, let's do it. But then when the devil, not the devil, yeah, I guess it was the devil then. When it left the boy, it went into Sister Mary Eunice, who was standing right outside, and that's how it happened. So, um, Sister Mary becomes possessed by the devil. Right. Whole bunch of stuff goes down before the cardinal pushes her off the balcony and kills her. So, I don't know. I'm not one for the Bible, but I do know, like, what a sin is, right? And I'm pretty sure killing someone, especially, like, a nun, is a pretty big sin. And, like, this is a cardinal. He's, like, a woo church guy. And so that's not very good. But, so while all this is happening, Threadson is still trying to get Kit to confess. 
to the killings. And so he performs an exercise where he says different scenarios and then asks Kit to decide which one sounds the most realistic or sounds like something that happened to try to like refresh his memory. So for instance, like he would describe a scenario where like, okay, I didn't kill Alma, she got abducted by aliens, and I'm innocent. And then he'd be like, mm, that sounds a bit odd. So then Fredson would be like, okay, now say this. Um, I killed Alma because I am, like, pissed off that she's hiding our relationship, and I don't really think people would care that much. So... And then, of course, of course, when he was describing the scenario where he kills Alma, he pressed record. Yeah, so now he has his confession, you can't see right now, but I'm doing air quotes, his confession on tape, and it's not even valid, because he was tricked into it. So anyways, I don't think it would hold up in court, but it's also a Hollywood show, so. Okay, so anyways, taped confession. So Lana and Threadson form a bond, and that comes into play later, so. Keep that in mind. Lana and Threadson form a bond and he tries to get her, like, escaped. And he succeeds. But um, when he's, when she's back at his house, because, like, he's like, hey, you can stay at my house while you're getting back on your feet. And she's like, okay, thank you. We learn that he has, like, some very interesting lamps. So he has some very interesting lamps. And so she kind of gets a little uncomfy and she's like, um, where's the washroom? And he's like, oh, it's just blah, blah, blah. But he actually tells her that this, you know, washroom is a, a closet. He leads her to a closet and it has a bunch of, like, human parts in it. So she's like, oh, what? And then he hits a lever and the floor comes out. Yeah, like mad scientist style. And she falls into, like, this weird kill chamber and that's where she stays for the next little while. So, yeah. So she's held captive now. And during this time, this is where the trigger warning really comes into play. Um, during this time, she is raped and furthermore impregnated by Dr. Threadson. So somewhere along the line, she escapes and has a happily ever after. And there's some more stuff that's like intertwined in there, but it's not super relevant. But like... Um, long story short, she goes back to the asylum, finds the tape of Kit confessing, and then there's this, like, power move where she's leaving in a cab, and she, like, holds the tape up to the window and, like, flips threads and all. It's so good. Anyways, um, so the true crime is a couple of intertwined stories. Well, they're not intertwined, but there's a couple stories there, so we'll get into that. So Dr. Threadson and both Bloody Face were based off of American serial killer Ed Gein, furthermore known as the Plainfield Ghoul. So he actually only killed, confirmed, killed two people. Um, but he also mutilated and exhumed nine corpses. So let's start at the beginning. So Ed Gein was born August 27th, 1906 to George and Augusta Gein in La Crosse County, Wisconsin. He had one older brother, Henry Gein, and as far as childhood trauma goes, he struggled with bullying throughout his school ages, and his mother often abused Edward and his brother. So his mother, Augusta, was a hardcore Lutheran and preached the evil of drinking and all sins. Um, and more specifically, how every single woman, including her, or excluding herself, I'm sorry, was a prostitute and a device of the devil. So she's like, mm, you're a whore, you're a whore, and you're a whore. Whoops, I probably shouldn't be swearing. Oh well, so George Gein died at the age of 67 
of a heart attack, which didn't damage the family so much emotionally, but definitely more financially. So both brothers had to take up work to help with expenses, um, but they got by. So on May 16th, 1944, when Ed was about 38, a brush fire grew close to the Gain residence, and the brothers went out in an attempt to extinguish it, but only one brother made it out alive. So somewhere along in the smoke, Henry lost, Henry got lost and was later reported missing by Ed. After the smog had dissipated, a search party was formed. Conveniently, Ed led his team directly towards his now-deceased brother's body. So the ground below and around him was completely unaffected by the fire, as well as Henry's body. So that doesn't really make sense that he got lost in the fire, because he there was no fire around him. So basically, long story short, it looks like Ed killed him. Um, but instead of normal symptoms, such as like singed hair or traces of smoke in the trachea, because his death cause, they, on the report, his cause of death was asphyxiation from smoke, right? So there's no like smoke in his lungs or throat, and but he had multiple bruises and skull contusions. So you can you can do the math on that. So. The, as I said before, the coroner report was still labeled as cause of death asphyxiation. So about a year later, his mother died from a series of strokes, which is really sad because like that would be hard to lose your mother, your brother, then your or your father, your brother, then your mother. But I mean, to be fair, he did kill his brother. So, anyways, series of strokes. So jumping forward to about 1957, around 12 years later, uh, Edward Gein was arrested. So in his home, enforcement found the following, and this is another big trigger warning because there's lots of detached parts so they found four noses whole human bones nine masks made of human skin bowls and ashtrays with made from skull caps 10 female heads with the skull cap hacked off several chairs upholstered in human skin two whole heads in paper and burlap sacks um, nine vulvas in a shoebox and various organs in the refrigerator and mainly featured in American Horror Story, a lampshade constructed from human skin. So, just gonna give you a minute to soak that in. It's pretty horrible, I'm not gonna lie, right? But I guess people are sick and that's just how the world works sometimes. So, Ed Gein only actually killed two people, Bernice Warden and Mary Hogan. So the other body parts found in his home were scavenged between trips to a local graveyard to steal and exhume bodies. Gein said he made between 30 to 40 trips to the graveyard and stole nine bodies and they were all female. It's obvious that Gein was a very sick man, right? But he was also diagnosed with schizophrenia shortly after his arrest and with his newfound diagnosis, he pled not guilty to the reason of insanity. He was found guilty of first degree murder and was sent to Mendota, Mendota, yeah, mental health facility where he died in 18, or sorry, 1984 of respiratory failure at age 77. So, I mean, I'm not usually one to say that death is a good thing, but this one kind of was. And don't call me insensitive for saying that, because he is a horrible man. He was a horrible, horrible person. If you can even call him a person, my god. But, you know, oh well. So, Lana, the, the woman in this series, went through a lot in that season. But the crazy part is that that was based on a real woman and a true story. 
1889, an American journalist named Elizabeth Cochran went undercover in a New York mental asylum looking for her big break in America. She pretended to be a mental patient in a madhouse where she lived for 10 days. Her book, 10 Days in a Madhouse, is, you know, it was supposed to be an article, but it turned into an expose of the asylum. Um, and I've actually read it. It is really, really good. I highly recommend you read it. It was very sad, but also very well-written. So it, but the name that she wrote under was Nellie Bly. So if you're looking for that, look under Nellie. Um, so if you're interested in learning more about her, there are many great biographies and that book that I just mentioned is really great. So this season was really fantastic and it had a lot of cool elements to it. I really enjoyed it. So this season is on Amazon Prime and Disney Plus if you're interested and you don't need to watch the first season to understand it. There's a lot more interesting characters and side plots. Um, so, you know, I really didn't do the season justice and with what I've said about this. Um, but, you know, it's... It's a great season and it's one of my personal favorites yeah um so i hope you enjoyed and next time we're going to be talking about season three coven and i hope to see you there